they just don't play well against Columbus. It's yeah, it's just a bad matchup for them. No, if you if you had asked me like just because this this sort of thing was going to happen like before the season, if there was like a kind of meh team that they would struggle against and piss everybody off, it probably would have been Columbus. I can't remember the last time like the Canes like won like multiple games against Columbus like in a row, like handedly. I mean, last year that's how it was too. Didn't they? Did they beat? I don't think they beat Columbus last season. I'm trying to remember because I know like the very first game lost like overtime. Next their game first game. They they started five and zero last year. I think their first loss was to Columbus. It was. It was when they wore their away jerseys at home. That's right. I, yeah. So I can remember we were at the beach for my grandpa's 80th birthday and we watched that game. Happy birthday. Yeah, it was a fun time. Yeah, because it beat the Islanders like handily the night before. Let's see. 3-2 regulation loss. 4-3 overtime loss. 3-2 regulation loss. And there was also the game that Dougie got hurt. That's the one I just looked at, I like think. January 20th or something. Yeah, January <laughs> It looks like they went 0-2 and 1 against them last year, so they must have had a, they must have had their fourth game against Columbus must have been scheduled for after um, the world ended. So yeah, this is the Canes Country podcast. My name is Brett Finger. I'm joined by Andrew Schnicker and Ryan Hinkle. How are you guys doing? Doing great. I uh, we're we're a hockey podcast, but I will not apologize in my view that we are about to experience the. Uh, the best two days of the year in sports, which is, of course, the opening two days of March Madness. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good time. I'm doing good. <laughs> Less elaboration. No, re- no reason why you're feeling good. You're just feeling good. Just, you know, just, just you know, happy and alive another day. Just got to, you know, take it in stride. Very inspiring words, Ryan. Thank you for that. I could coach the Buffalo Sabres with this amount of inspiration. You could. You really. You, <laughs> That's you barely need all the inspiration. You could coach them anyway. Uh, the Hurricanes went 1-1-1 one, one, and one this week. 2-1 win at Detroit. It should have been a shutout for Alex Nadelkovich, but Sebastian Ajo, um, Sebastian Benedict Arnold, um, <laughs> came back to bite the Hurricanes with nine seconds left as the puck deflected off his skate and by, by Ned. Uh, they followed that up with a four-two loss at Detroit. Um, they couldn't. They couldn't get get the sweep there. Uh, Detroit is just simply too good at hockey, and they've actually been great against Carolina and Tampa Bay this year. And by great, I mean they have two wins and five tries or something like that against both teams. Yeah, it's like Detroit. Just like it's like such a weird trap game almost like they have good speed and transition game like with especially with like larkin mantha fabry players like that but i think like jonathan bernier just for whatever reason like he's been really good in detroit but especially whenever he's playing carolina and tampa bay he's just like let me let me go beast mode real quick didn't he get hurt last night i think he he did get hurt last night in the game against dallas i was gonna ask is anyone gonna trade for him yeah not this time anymore He's art, no. And then last night they hosted Columbus for the first of four consecutive games against them, and they lost in overtime three to two. The very um, 
interesting game last night wherein the Hurricanes had, I believe, they were outshot 14-4 to in the first period and then went on to get the first, like, 15 shots of the second period and erase a one nothing lead and take a 2-1 lead, and then they gave up the 2-1 lead. Andrew, thoughts on a pretty boring uh game last night yeah i was there it was like you know i said this after the game but given that the hurricanes really only decided to play because they weren't great they weren't as bad as they were in the first period but they were not uh, at least i don't think they were not what you want in the third period either they were pretty fortunate enough to walk away with a point especially um you know, I'm sure it showed up on TV, but from where our press row seat, like right in front of me, where um, one team shoots, it's where Columbus was shooting in the third period. When I tell you that this game almost ended in just the most hilariously brutal fashion with like 20 seconds left or something, there was a point shot that came hard off the end boards and like landed like right behind Alex Nedeljkovic. And I think it was actually uh, Riley Nash former hurricane who couldn't get his stick on it. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I think they were fortunate to walk away with a point. They played really well in the second period, but as we know, and as I'm sure, as we heard from Rod Brendamore last night, that's, that's not enough. Um, the, the interesting thing too, was in overtime though, they, I mean, they definitely deserved to get it. I mean, they had chance after chance. They had the um, Jacob Slavin on the doorstep, set up from Ajo that Corpusalo robbed. You had Martin Natchez with a clear-cut breakaway, pretty much literally from the red line in. I mean, and we've all seen what Martin Natchez does. I mean, I, I had I was at the game, like I said, and I had Martin Natchez wins it in overtime, written out, ready to send from the Canes Country Twitter when he came in. But uh, Corpusalo stopped him. And then fairly low danger at least somewhat shot wins it for Columbus in overtime. So hurricanes could probably feel like they deserved a better fate based on the way the overtime went. But I think the right team walked away with two points from that one. Andrew, so what I'm hearing is that you jinxed it and all Canes fans should direct their ire to you. Pretty much. I'm, I'm sure I was the only one thinking that the game was over when Martin H just had that breakaway. I think like, just like an interesting from, Actually, from the past three games, like, you know, Vincent Trocek gets injured that first game in Nashville, if you go back, like, a week. And since then, like, the Canes, I think the Canes used all of their depth scoring in that one game. The first game he was out, where, like, Geeky has two goals, McGinn has a goal. I think they used it all up, because in the past three games, the Canes only scored two goals in each game. And it's really, like, one even-strength goal and one special teams goal. Like, the win in Detroit... Hamilton shorthanded goal, Niederreiter even strength goal, the loss in Detroit power play goal from Nino Ajo uh, even strength goal, and then the game last night the loss to Columbus Ajo even strength goal, Ajo power play goal. I think that Trocheck injury is major, major, major blow for the Hurricanes' roster. Like we talked a lot about how much depth they now had, but it's like losing like he was like the linchpin of it all. Like. You lose him, and all of a sudden, you lose a lot of that three-line punch that you had. The Canes are kind of down to only two lines, and honestly, one of those lines is a really hot or cold line. Like, that stall line either shows up, and it's yeah. awesome, or they are 
ice cold. Yeah, I think it's, you know, we I, I said this last night, but with Trocek, it's not just him. And don't get me wrong, just him is impressive. I mean, obviously the Hurricanes leading goal scorer does a lot for them on the power play, really plays in all situations. But when you have, when you add a second line center like that, I think it lengthens your lineup a lot. You know, you're pushing stall down to the third line. You've got another threat, scoring threat behind Ajo's line. Well, really, obviously that Trocek, Nino, Natchez line had been the Hurricanes, has been the Hurricanes best line consistently season. So yeah, I think, Losing a guy like Vincent Trocek, you're not just losing what he himself specifically brings, but there's kind of that ripple effect across the whole lineup. And I think we can acknowledge that as good as Jordan Stahl has been at offensively this year and that confidence that he's found, um, I don't think that happens with without Trocek. Yeah. Everyone was like, okay, you got to get a, a, another second-line center so you can help uh, take some of the pressure off of Stahl. In a way, that's happened, but the the flip side of that has been he's been able to score more, and it's been a luxury to an extent to have him playing the way he has because you didn't you didn't expect that going into the season, and I don't think that happens without Trocek coming in and taking some of that pressure off of him and allowing him to just play his game, and if it goes in, it goes in, and there's been streaks to this point where it's like okay it's going in and that, that's been great but you know it's tough because you're you're with regards to to injuries a game like last night you really could have used a, a trocheck or a teravinen uh to make the one difference making play in regulation that those two types of players can make. And it was pretty apparent last night that they they needed one, just one thing, one more thing to go their way. And I think he would have felt better about it if Trocek and Terabine were there. Well, I think, Ryan, you pointed this out too, but I think they're missing Jake Gardner too, especially in these yeah. close games. When you look at his puck moving ability and how important he is to the Hurricanes transition game and breaking the puck up the ice and two how good he is at holding the zone and the uh, holding the offensive zone and making plays in the blue line I think both of these last two tight games are games where you wonder what having that in the lineup would what impact that would have had yeah I definitely think like that like you said the transitional game I think is like the best I mean Jake Garner has been like, he was like getting steady assists, like zero goals, seven assists for him on the season. He was getting steady points, but I think the real biggest factor was his transition game, his ability to help move that puck up the ice. And I think the Canes are really kind of missing that factor. It's been kind of disconnected in the neutral zone past two few games. It's been a little more difficult for the Hurricanes to kind of get the out of their own zone, and like get it through to the neutral zone. I think Jake Gardner really helps that kind of factor. So, you know, with his back injury, not really sure when, or when he'll return to the lineup, there's no real timetable for it. it. It's another, the Canes like are missing such like good players and like, there's no real timetable for them. We yeah. don't know when they'll be back, but like, I mean, they're, the Canes are doing fine without them, but like we're, we're just so aware of like, if this roster is fully healthy, like they literally are like the, one of the top teams in the league, like if not eight, like arguably, number one team in the league potentially if they're all healthy and playing the way that they can 
Well, they and they were able to cover up really well because I mean, like I've, I've talked about this, they've rarely had Tara Vine in A in the lineup, B in the lineup, and playing it what we know Tavo Teravainen is capable of. They they were able to cover it up and play well without Teravainen and Mrazic. It, it kind of feels like, especially these last couple games with him being out, because what does he miss now at this time? Four games that Vincent Trocek, though, might kind of be the straw that breaks the camel's back and the one where you're like, okay, yeah, the, these guys are shorthanded and they look like it. So while we're talking about injuries, Peter Mrazic is... Who knows when Pierre Mraz is going to come back? He's, he's some, some days he's getting closer. Some days he's nowhere close. But it feels like we're getting closer. And the goalie situation as a whole has been a very contentious area. That's a good word. Nadelkovic has been unreal. Even factoring in that loss last night, he has a 943 save percentage over his last seven games. And... Entering the game, he had the sixth best goal saved above expected in the entire league. So that is some seriously good work. What happens when Mrazic gets back? It's the million-dollar question. Well, it's actually, uh, I don't know what James Reimer is making, but I think it's more than a million-dollar question. Um, uh, I mean, I, I think Alex Nedeljkovic, look, I'm not of the extreme opinion on Reimer that like, oh my God, he's terrible. He should never be on the NHL. He was not good in that loss to Detroit the other night. I mean, he was not. But, I mean, I think it's got to be Nedeljkovic. I think he's outplayed Reimer. I think he's played really well. I think he he gives you a chance, a better chance to win than Reimer. Um, And before that Detroit game, really, Reimer had been playing better his last few games. But the thing of it is, too... With Nedeljkovic, this is just it, – it's something that keeps jumping out in the back of my mind, and this may not happen. I'm not saying it's going to. I mean, Mrazic may come back and play the way he was, and it's a moot point. But, you know, Nedeljkovic is technically a rookie. We've seen – and I'm not even just talking about the Hurricanes with the whole Cam Ward thing, but in more recent years, we've seen contending teams ha- have – uh, rookie goalie kind of get thrust into the spotlight through circumstances and perform well and seen it work out pretty well with uh, Jordan Bennington and Matt Murray, the two most recent examples that come to mind. So I think, I think even with Mrazic back, there's a good argument to be made that Nadelkovich probably still has the highest ceiling and upside of any goalie on the Hurricanes roster. If for like for Reimer, there's yes, you can buy into the the notion that in a backup role he is he has been notably one of the best goaltenders as you know the one B option like something mentally he if he knows he's the backup he just plays better. You, there is that notion, and then I think there's also you know teams just get so excited about veteran experience come playoff time. Like doesn't matter what you're doing. They're like they're like if you're 42 years old, but you've played in a few playoff series, you are a hot commodity come the trade deadline. And then you know, Rhymer's no spring chicken, but he's also not like 42 or whatever. But um, I think like I don't know like how the Canes view it. I I know probably how Rod Brenmore views it. He would love to have Rhymer as an option for games, but personally, I would like. Mrazic and Deljevic. I mean, that's more so the future for your team. You're not going to, I don't see them bringing Reimer back next year. 
Like it just doesn't seem like a a smart option. Uh, if you have both Peter and Nadeljic, I think they both play similar styles. And I think I think for a team defense, like to have like two goalies that play a little similar style, like I think it's a little easier on the defense. They don't have to change up their game as much. Like for like a goalie like Reimer, he's very much more rebound heavy. Defense has to switch up their game to, you know, cover up rebounds in like the slaughter one out where goalie like Peter Morozik, they just have to be more aware of how aggressive he is to be able to cover angles and passes. And I think if you have more similar goaltenders, the defense can like play a little more steady style. Like, I don't know how much effect that really has in the long run. It's just something I was thinking about on my own. Maybe there's more to it than that. I don't know. I'm just, you know, a guy on a podcast, <laughs> not an NHL coach, even though I could be coaching probably the Buffalo Sabres. Who knows? You could. You very much could be. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I think Peter and Nadeljic is the future. And I think like you can keep three goalies because, you know, I think Kings fans are still scarred from that experience in Toronto where you lose both Mrazek and Reimer or in, you know, quick fashion. But like, what are the odds of that happening again? Honestly, like I know to anyone or to specifically the hurricanes, specifically the hurricanes. Like I'd wager that's more likely to happen to the hurricanes than any other team in the league. You know, that's also a fair point. I'd say but there's I, I, there's a one in four chance that three goalies will suffer <laughs> month long injuries in the same game for the Hurricanes. Yeah, I I didn't factor in the Hurricane misfortune. I know you want to have like three goalies to carry them. You just like want to be safe. Be like, oh, we have depth if we need it. But I think if come playoff time, if you're still carrying three goalies on your roster. And like it gets to the point where you're like, dang, I think we need to get that third goalie in it. You're probably already in a position where you're not gonna win that playoff series. Yeah, unless you're unless you're dealing with an injury. If you're in the playoffs and you're like, all right, we need to get our third goalie in, you're probably down three <laughs> one or three yeah. zero. Things are things are not going well for you. Yes. So it's like, I like Reimer and I think he's like feasible, but again, like. I, at this point, I only see him as injury insurance. It would be one thing if, let's say, Reimer was not playing as well as Nadelkovich, but Nadelkovich had like a 9-12 save percentage on the year, and Reimer was like a 9-08, and it was like, they're kind of close, Nadelkovic has been better, but Reimer's the known, more known commodity, all that. That would be one thing. That's not what this is, though. This is Alex Nadelkovic playing over the past month like a top 10 goalie in the entire league. Like yeah. It's not a minor difference here. And it's not like Nadelkovic is just slightly outperforming Reimer. It's, it's that Nadelkovic is getting national attention for how well he's played from, from just that standpoint. I I can't imagine that he would be put on the back burn just because Reimer is older. That doesn't feel fair to me. And it, you know, Rod is someone who rewards effort, right? Results and effort. And, I don't know what more you could expect from Nadelkovic in that regard. 
you know, the, the first few games that Nets started, there were a few of those weak goals where you're like, uh, you, you can't let those in. Those have almost disappeared over the past several weeks. Like, yeah. there's been very few goals where you're like, oh, man, that's a bad one. They, 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 they've just been very, very rare for Nadalkovic lately. And maybe that'll that'll start to creep back up. I, I think Smart Money says it probably will at some point because he's still a rookie and he's not going to be perfect. But Reimer has had just as many of those problems, if not more. And he has been better recently. One thing you can say about Reimer is, oh, he's a winner. He's 16 out of his last 20. He's won. And I'm not going to spend an hour talking about why wins and losses for a goalie is a terrible, terrible, awful way of judging a goalie. But, I mean, you can't you can't play that game. I'm sorry. Like It's like quarterback wins. It's 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 to say it's almost as bad. I would say it's probably maybe not quite as bad. Yeah, as I would say it's yeah. But it's close. Yeah, it's, I don't think it's as bad as a quarterback win. But I, I mean, yeah, it would be one thing if Reimer was like, oh, he's sixteen out of his last twenty, and he's only allowing one or two goals every game. It's like no, he's allowing like three, sometimes four, and like the Hurricanes have to outscore the other team late in games or they get off to a really good start and they take a big lead and then for some reason it gets close at the end like those are the kind of wins that he's getting so i'm not i'm not necessarily sure what the whole oh he's just a winner thing is all about well, it, and it's just so weird to me too because there are people who try and you you point that out and they're like yeah well rhymer's in there for all of those so there, there must be something in those games, he just—it's like no, it's just he happens to be the goalie who is standing between the pipes while the Hurricanes <laughs> are scoring all those goals in the other end. There's no, I don't get it. Like that—that that thought process just doesn't compute for me. Yeah, and to his credit, he's been—you know—he's had a lot of these games where he's like terrible in the first two periods, and then he's like locked in in the third, and he isn't yeah, terrible. I'll give it that. Uh, there, there. You can give that credit to him, and you're like, oh, he made some big saves in the third period. But it's like those saves wouldn't have been big if he didn't allow three softies in the first two periods. That those saves wouldn't need to be big saves. Got to so, play sixty minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, and this is not me saying that that Reimer's terrible or anything. Like, I, I think he holds a value as an NHL goaltender. But the fact of the matter is that his his value is lower than Nedeljkovic's right now. And I don't think it's you can make much of an argument against that. So that's kind of where I'm at with all this. And, and you can't just cast Nedeljkovic aside once Mrazek returns because that, that simply makes no sense at all. Yeah, I'll admit when I was wrong, like probably backtrack a few weeks maybe even a month i was thinking i was like nadeljevic is just not the answer we all said that we all said that i was i was not a nadeljevic believer i saw a few games where he had shaky start and i was like it's just i was like god this is just rough and then you know i'll admit i was wrong i I mean in his first three games 
he allowed 10 goals on 88 shots. That's an 86 save percentage. So, I mean, after those games, it's like, what is there to see? What's there to be encouraged by? In his last seven games, he's allowed 12 goals and has a 943. Those first three games were pretty bad. And you're like, okay, I guess it's going to have to be the Reimer show. That you know, narrative has pretty much flipped since then. Well, and I think the one thing about those first three games, and I, you know, I asked Rod Brindamore about this, um, about him kind of settling in, and he even said that they didn't want to get for, too worked up over his first few starts. If you think about it, the AHL season got canceled last year. Obviously, Nedeljkovic doesn't play for the Hurricanes in the bubble, so it had been almost a year since he had played any kind of competitive hockey when he made that those first couple starts. So it, I, I think, and I was right there with you, Ryan. I mean, I, I, and I think a lot of us were, but I think it maybe wasn't super fair to judge him based on those games when it had been so long since he had played. Man, I love me a good goalie conversation. Yeah. For, for a bunch of non goalie experts here, we like to talk about our goalies. Yeah. We love it. Uh, <laughs> Cam Ward, am I right? This is kind of backtracking a little bit, but an, an interesting development last night was that Warren Fogle got an overtime shift. It did not end well. <laughs> <laughs> it literally Throwing couldn't out. have ended worse. It was his first overtime shift of the season. Might be his last. Like I don't. I actually don't want to pick on Warren Fogle too much because, like you pointed out, Brett, before that shift, I actually thought last night was one of his better games of yes, the season. It was, but um, and that's, I, I'll, I'll be honest, that's on Rod Brindamore. What, what Warren <laughs> Fogle in three on three overtime? What, what are you doing? Come on, you, you, you. I know that you're missing a couple guys, but especially late in three on three overtime. I mean, you. They actually were rolling three forwards at the time, too. Were they? Yeah, they were rolling three forwards with one Vogel. That, yeah, it's... Well, there's very little defense for that move, then. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can sympathize with him on that one. It's like, puck flutters out and hits like the puck here along the wall, and he's just like, if I pinch here and knock it off, we keep the zone. And, like, as soon as he stepped forward, he went... He saw, like, out of the corner of his eye, the guy rushing up the ice, and he went, oh, no. Well, that goes, too, though. Like, you, you've got, like, you're, you know, near the end of overtime. You've, you've got a guy who doesn't play in overtime. He's not as attuned to, you know, that you have to be so careful with what you do in terms of something like that in overtime. Because, yeah, if you make the wrong move, there is going to be a three-on-one going the other way. Yeah, it's like, I feel like he was sticking to his normal game plan for what he normally plays. Aggressive, attack the puck carrier, you know, keep the zone. That's usually what Rod tells him on his line to do. And he took a step and he went immediately went, oh, shit. <laughs> you can see that moment in him where he takes that step forward, sees the guy in the corner of his eyes, and he just panics. He's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. It. That that funny funny other thing about that end of that shift though is you know you're speaking of Nadell like it wasn't a horrible goal but the overtime goal is probably one that Nadelkovich wants back. Yeah. Compare especially compared to or when you take into account how he's played recently. Yeah. 
I, I mean, mean, at that moment of a game, well, obviously the moment of a game, um, I think you need to save there. Yeah. I think we should just be the podcast that trashes all the goalies. And just be like, <laughs> nope, <laughs> you cannot let that goal in. That is an unacceptable, that is a time, that is not a timely goal. You need a timely save in these kind of moments. In my expert analysis, I think you need a save there. <laughs> but we should say that about every goalie. Every goal they get in, they let in. Every goal should be a save. It's just they torture. Just torture yourself with unrealistic goalie expectations. I know he challenged the shooter there, and you know the guy was left back door for the tap in. But I really think he should have spread out and you know got the toe save there. Well, actually, uh, you need to have your glove higher and ready in ready position. You have to have it at least six inches in front of your torso. I know. Because I'm a goalie expert. Thank you. You are not square to the shooter. What are you doing? Cut the angle. Just use vocabulary. Just random goalie vocabulary that you know. Only buzzwords. Yeah. You have to turn your head around and make a play. Wait, wrong sport. Sorry. Oh, yeah. So the Canes are at the halfway point of the season. How are you guys feeling about the team? They're past the halfway point. We're in the, we're in the home stretch. Not quite, but... They're on a losing Look, streak mean, right now. That's how I feel. Worst I mean, team in the league. Fold them to go back. What are they? They're a game over the halfway point, and they're 28-1 and one when they've been playing almost the whole season with their number two and number three goalies. Um, I Without their uh, without a first-line winger. Without, I mean, we. how much time did we spend on our season preview podcast talking about how important Tavo Teravine is to this team? Um that's like every uh, week. Man. Every week when he's healthy, we talk about how important he is. And even when he's not healthy, we're like, man, he's really important. He would have made a difference here. Because <laughs> we love Tavo Teravainen. He is important. I mean, like, you, we, I mean, again, Usually. we talked about this. He Usually. does so much for this team. And the fact that they have played so well and won so many games and scored so much without either without him in the lineup or with him in the lineup and trying to work his way back to full strength. I mean, like I said, I think there's maybe – Four or five games that the Hurricanes have had, like the Tavo Teravainen that we've seen the past couple of years, again, not through any fault of his. He's had so much to deal with this year. Um, and then now you factor in that they're missing Vincent Trocek, too. I, the, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's much to complain about with their start through the halfway point, given everything that they've had to deal with. I mean, you have to feel pretty good about where they're at, right? Because, again... Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, what's their pace for 82-game season? 119 points. Is that it? I saw someone tweet about it last night. That's a lot of points. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, when you put it in that perspective, it's it's tough to be upset. It's tough to be upset in any way. They're... they're they're 20 wins, eight losses, one overtime loss. So, yeah, it's like they're third in their division, but they're one of only four teams that have actually reached the 20 win mark. And they were the season. first team to do it. Yeah. Like, they're, they're going to be all right. It's just, you know, it's kind of hard. They, they have a lot of key injuries right now, and they're like barely losing games. The last, so the last full 82 game season that the NHL played, the 
was the 2018-19 season. That was the season that the Lightning had like their ridiculous regular season but lost to Columbus. But anyway, they they won the President's Trophy that year with 128 points. You said the Hurricanes are on pace for, what, 124 if they played an 82-game season? Something Something like that. But see, I mean, like, having over 120 points in a season is like, you're one of those, like, ridiculous, like, regular season juggernaut teams like i did like we said oh, I don't think say the word right. juggernaut don't say Is this that the word. leafs podcast now yeah that's all that's reserved for toronto i'm i'm sorry um <laughs> but yeah and i think you kind of hit on this too last night ryan like it, it's still somewhat of a new thing to have the hurricanes just kind of go out and like win more often than not so i think any loss feels like feels worse than it maybe is especially a lot of trauma when they're like well especially this season where like a there's so many games packed together and b where they so rarely have lost that when they do it kind of it it does feel i guess a little bit jarring but um yeah no i think they'll be fine like like i said after the tampa bay series um skids are gonna happen slumps are gonna happen you know a couple games in a row where you're banged up like they are right now, where you just don't have it are going to happen. Like they're not going to go like 50 and six or whatever, like, but they're going to be fine. Even after last night's loss and their second consecutive loss, they have, they are tied for the second best point percentage in, no, I'm sorry. They're tied for the third best point percentage in the league with Washington and Florida. And they are, baby. and they're currently tied for second in points in the league. Yeah, they got some help last night, I think, because Florida lost to Nashville, and obviously, I think Tampa won. But you getting a point only lets them pull one more point ahead of you. Yeah, they're two points back of Tampa. Again, that can change in one night. So, yeah, you gotta be pretty happy with where they're at. Um, a fun thing that came up you can you can call this fun but it's really not fun at all who was it in the athletic who wrote about jonathan quick being an alpha I think it was, goalie um, was it uh, burnside was it burnside i believe yeah. it was burnside oh no don't don't no no not none of that i think the canes need a fourth goaltender i think they need a true alpha dog <laughs> How are, uh, it's, of all the like hockey men, men, and you know what I'm talking about when I say hockey men. Of all the like hockey men trope mentalities, that that whole thing was some kind of. <laughs> you need a true alpha. Like what, what does that it? even mean? Like ex- I don't know what it means, but it's provocative. It gets the people going, and it got a lot of people on Twitter going. And people are just like, what the hell are you talking about? An alpha? How about a goalie that makes saves? And uh, how about that? Because Jonathan Quick isn't very good at that anymore. So that you can have an alpha personality, but it doesn't mean shit if you're not good. Right now, I mean, he would be probably the worst goalie on the team. I mean, he's that- comparable to Reimer, maybe? His Jonathan Quick currently has a uh, .898 save. He's not even comparable to Ryan. .87 goals against average. That's the hell are we doing with this? That, I don't get like like are we thinking like oh yeah he's 
like we're past the point of like the hurt being like with oh this guy has been a good goalie and you put him behind like the Hurricanes defense and it, like the Hurricanes already have a goalie who's good behind their defense. His name's Alex Nedeljkovic. Like, what? Why do you need? Oh, yes, but Andrew boss? Alex Nedeljkovic win a Stanley Cup in 2015 or 16 or whatever the hell the Los Angeles Kings won their cup 2014, 12, 12 and 14. It was 12 and 14. <laughs> I believe it was 12. It was 12 and 14. <laughs> the last time the Los Angeles Kings won the Stanley or. Cup. I was a <laughs> junior in high school, um, and I've been out of college for almost two years now. But yeah, totally. Give me, uh, give me Jonathan Quick. Also, what was it? Major knee injuries that he sustained, like past, like previous few seasons. Pretty on much. top of also like still having like six million. The another thing he has sustained is an eight ninety six save percentage over his last three seasons. That's what that's another thing he has sustained. Over his last one hundred starts, he has an eight ninety six and three goals against per game. Pretty much everything you don't want to happen to a goalie has happened to Jonathan Quick in the last three years. So I'm I'm gonna have to respectfully pass on that one. It, he, but in, in, like in all seriousness, I, I think the whole the way Nedeljkovic has played, and you're hopefully getting Mrazek back at some percentage of the level he was at early in the season. I think the whole needing to add a goalie thing is probably it, it's probably gone. I, I don't think that's something you need to look at right now. Adding a forward both to, you know, kind of, I think adding one more top nine forward would kind of complete your lineup when everyone is healthy. And also right now, and, you know, going forward, because injuries are going to keep happening for depth is probably the one thing I would look at. Yeah, Eric Stahl, because everyone agrees that's the move that should happen, right? We are all in agreement. every fan wants Eric Stahl. All right, all right, all right, all right, enough. Quiet. (laughs) Enough. Um, But no, like, Jonathan Quick is 35 years old. Okay. That's he, such an awful take. Like it's 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 next level. Like why would you take on a 5.8 million dollar cap hit for that? Like the, I can I can think of however many <laughs> like I can think of hundreds of different ways and better ways to use that cap hit. And among those reasons is do nothing with it. That would be better than acquiring quick at this point. Like maybe he has that magical playoff run left in him. That last run, that last ride, you know, one more ride, one more race. It's 5.8, but he also has two years left on that after this season. I think I would rather add, I think I would rather multiply the Alexander Semin buyout times (laughs) three three and keep it. For those extra years than have Jonathan Quick at that. It's like it's like somebody just looked and is like, oh, yeah, well, we know, like, the Hurricanes are always desperate for goaltending, so let's throw this out there. Like, if you don't watch the Hurricanes, just say you don't watch the Hurricanes and move on. It's also, like, I thought the whole talk was, like, everyone was like, oh, my God, they, how are the Canes going to be able to extend Dougie Hamilton and Andre Svechnikov? It was, like, everyone was talking about that, and now they're like, yeah, bring on this 5.8 million goalie for two more years to really, really fuck up that cap situation. Well, I don't. Again, I don't. I don't think anybody, any single person <laughs> in Canesland was was on. Yeah, it's 
it to me that again that demonstrates a complete like just like you're totally from the outside on the hurricanes just throwing out what's been like the popular that's, that's conventional why, take about them for years that's part of why it's surprising because scott burnside has been doing so much work inside yeah, the hurricanes actually. he's that's right. always he's, a great voice for the hurricanes yeah he's he's done a couple um of those like he did that like draft inside day. the draft one yeah. the piece that was really cool really um, good stuff yeah, that's kind of a surprising uh, whiff from him. I just think on this one, he wasn't Burnside. Just wasn't square to the shooter. You know, he wasn't <laughs> didn't have his glove high enough. On Poor this rebound one. control. Um, Poor rebound control on this. All one. these things you could say about Jonathan Quick over the last three seasons, who has allowed thirty seven point eight goals above expectation. <sighs> expectation. Oh, God. So sure, we can have this conversation about an alpha goalie. What alpha he is. Yeah, I think we need to be the opposite of Jonathan Quick and uh, go ahead and cut down this angle. Why do we need Jonathan Quick when we already have Jesper Faust? This has been the Canes Country Podcast. Thank you for listening this week. Um, not much going on, but we uh, we, we recapped it to, to the best of our abilities. <clears throat> Where can the people find you on Twitter and only Twitter? Andrew? At... <laughs> at a s c h n i t t five three ryan <laughs> at r y a n h e n k e l underscore you can follow me at brett finger on twitter you can follow canes country at canes country on twitter canes country picks p-i-x on instagram follow the site do all those things uh, support the podcast by following or subscribing on your podcast uh, app or website of choice apple Podcasts, google podcasts spotify stitcher wherever you listen to podcasts you can listen to the canes country podcast review rate do all those things that that help us out greatly we we would of course very much appreciate that more games against columbus this week be well enjoy the hockey goodbye <laughs>